Today's episode of the Get Home Safe podcast contains explicit language that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe Podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Wednesday, February 24th, 2021. Hope everyone's having a great week out there. And uh, man, let's see, the 24th, 224. You know what's crazy is one year ago was the Kobe Bryant funeral in honor of uh, one of his jersey numbers, as well as his daughter Gianna's jersey number, uh, you know, 224s when they did the funeral. And that was a pretty sad day in Los Angeles and uh, man, something I'll never forget seeing all the speeches and the stories and just very, very somber occasion. But um, you know what? It's hard to believe that it's been a year since then. And at that time we didn't know what was going to happen with this whole coronavirus thing, right? We were still a couple of weeks away from that uh, hitting home and from lockdown starting and uh, just so much has changed in one year. And you could always say that, but I think this past year in particular, uh, a lot of us look back and they're like, Oh yeah, that was one year ago. Oh yeah, that was one year ago. You know, we keep hitting these, these dates and these milestones where you think back to a year. And I know for, I know for me as part of growing up, that's something that is really hitting home is how quickly the years do fly by. There's times like this last year where, you know, it didn't seem that fast at time with all the, being at home every day and nothing being open, having a lot of uncertainty. But I also know that uncertainty is a good thing. Uncertainty keeps us humble. It keeps us somewhat energized. It keeps us the mystery of what's next for us. I I don't want to say it keeps us fearful because that's a bad way to live. I think it's good to be hopeful and good to look forward and, and, you know, not be too, overwhelmed by the scary things that are out there. Because if you do that, bad things might happen, but bad things might not happen. You can't just sit around and, and you know, anticipate bad things occurring. Uh, it's good to prepare for them. But at the same time, I mean, how, how do you want to live your life? Do you want to live it in fear? Or do you want to live it uh, with uh, anticipation? I, I know I, I sure am. And uh, I'm talking to you guys today, you know, baseball season for uh, the college baseball season started this last weekend. And I mentioned it last week, but it, it's, I, I'm at peace with not being involved in it right now. I'm not saying forever, but as I've mentioned to you guys before on the podcast, it's weird when, you know, you put a lot of your life into something, something you're passionate about. And then there just comes a time where you kind of, Turn the page, maybe not close the book, but turn the page. And so that's kind of where I feel about college baseball right now and just baseball in general. This is the first time in, man, 14 years where I haven't uh, been uh, dusting off the old shin guards this time of year. So uh, we'll see what happens in the future. But for now, I got other things ahead that I'm 
excited about, uh, you know, my new job podcasting and then, uh, you know, doing some Uber and Lyft driving, of course, on the side is a nice way to make extra money, meet some uh, random people. And, and again, anyone out there who needs a ride uh, anywhere, hey, you know how to get a hold of me and uh, uh, we'll, we'll see if uh, we can get some airport runs in here for some of the listeners if, uh, if need be. Um, I have <laughs> I have, I have a way of really mixing up words sometimes. And I'll give you an example. This happened the other day. Uh, I think I told it to Valerie. And it's just a classic example of who I am sometimes. And I said, uh, I meant to say your timing is impeccable, or whatever that phrase is. And I said, your pecking is untimable. And then I paused and I kind of laughed at myself. I thought I'd share that with you guys. Uh, sometimes that's that's how I feel. <laughs> Not only time frame, time, uh, the timing of things, but also the way in which things are said. Uh, anyway, today's Wednesday, and you guys know Bill Barnes is uh, the main attraction here on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. We actually recorded uh, uh, from Mexico again, or he was in Mexico, I should say. So we did a little Zoom call. Uh, it, it went a little quicker. The, the show today is a little quicker. Uh, you know, Bill's got uh, places uh, places to go, people to see. You know, as as he would uh, as he's done the past week or so down there in Mexico, but. Um, uh, we were fortunate that he was able to sit down and record with us. So uh, you'll, you'll get your fill of, Bill, fill of Bill Barnes here. And uh, we'll get to that in a second after I say a few more random things. Um, okay, here's something. Here's something I don't quite understand. And maybe you guys can help me out with this. And, and, and I seriously, this is a serious question. This is by no means knocking one side or the other. I can't seem to figure out why okay wherever you wherever you stand wherever you are politically you're you're you know on the left side the right side conservative liberal maybe maybe i can get some clarity on this because i can't seem to figure out again generalizing this is i'm generalizing here why does it seem that most people who lean left are are a lot more fearful and a lot more uh, protective or whatever you want to call it, restrictive with COVID-19, with the coronavirus. Why is it the people who kind of lean right are a little more, uh, let's see, what's the word here? (laughs) Uh, Not as receptive to restrictive measures. Not as fearful because it's interesting, right? The coronavirus I'll, I'll put it this way. I don't want to get the coronavirus. I I do not want it. All right. I Do I think I'll die? No. Is there a chance we could die? Yeah. Um, I don't want the coronavirus. I don't know anybody that wants it. So that's something I can't seem to figure out is how come people that lean a little more right, lean conservative, they're not as fearful of it as people who lean left because the virus doesn't care what word your political beliefs are. The virus does not discriminate or choose who it infects. It's an interesting thought to me. Like I, I've had some text message exchanges with friends and things. And this is, it, it's like, it's just the most consistent thing I've seen. People who lean a little more conservative are not in fear of the virus, or maybe that's the wrong word. I think everyone fears it a little bit. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not everyone. 
Or is it maybe that some people just see it for what it is? It's a sickness. It's a virus. There's a chance you could get it. You're going to try to not do anything stupid to get it. But you also got to live your life. I think that's the whole point of like living in fear. Um, I, I, I am someone who has always been trained as a young kid. You, you lock your doors. You lock your doors because someone out there might do something bad. So I'm not against like policies protecting uh, us, protecting other people. But it's interesting to me that, again, in general, generalizing, if you lean left, it's doomsday, shut everything down, don't go anywhere, don't do anything, uh, mask out, masks outdoors. Whereas if you lean right, you kind of like, see like, okay, I'll, I'll wear a mask in, in a grocery store, I guess, but I'm, you know, I'm not wearing it when I'm going for a walk. Uh, what do you mean you're not going to have restaurants open or, or churches open? That doesn't seem to make any sense. Uh, and of course, the pushback, the, the second you question something, the pushback is, well, you don't care about people dying. Well, I, yeah, actually, I do care about people dying. I don't want people to die. I don't want anybody to die. And a lot of people will, will say, well, I have grandparents or my, my mom or my dad. And I'm like, okay, no, I, hey, I totally respect that. You've got to be, you, you got to be careful. You got to be vigilant, of course. But if you're not going to see your parents or your grandparents because of fear of spreading something, well, then why are you concerned about places you go? If you, go, if you see them on a daily basis, I, I totally get it. But like for me, for example, I, I don't have any grandparents. All my grandparents passed away. My mom passed away. So I think this, for some people, I, and I didn't fear all my entire life. Man, my, my mom might, might drop dead in her 50s. I didn't fear that. I always knew it was, I mean, anything's possible. And, and that ended up happening. Am I happy about it? Of course not. It happened and it, and it changed my life forever. But like this constant fear and this this seeing of the numbers increase. Oh, 500,000 deaths. That's horrible. I'll go on. I'll say it one more time for, for people that are going to accuse me of not caring. That is terrible. It's not good. Very sad. People on ventilators struggling. It's all very sad. But this idea that nothing has ever, nothing else has killed anyone before. Nothing else. I told you, my grandparents are gone. My mom's gone. I am not by any means saying death is, oh, it's acceptable. Acceptable loss. No, I'm not saying that at all. My observation is that some people, almost a year now, this has almost been a year, and some people really do live in constant fear of the coronavirus. And when they see people at a restaurant, how, do, how could they do that? Well, no one's forcing you to go. When the argument is, well, yeah, they're going to be irresponsible and then they're going to spread it and then I might get it. You, <laughs> I don't think anyone, any sane person, 
wants to get the coronavirus, wants to get COVID. I think there's people out there who want to live their lives because living is in fear is not living. They want a sense of normalcy. They want to eat at a restaurant. They want to uh, have a church service. They want to uh, pick up their kids from school. They, they, it's not being selfish to want normal things. I, I just can't wrap my head around why some people fear this stuff more than others. I'll say it again for the fifth time. I don't want the coronavirus. I don't want it. Nobody wants it. And yes, there is a risk of potential death. You have a lot higher chance of surviving it. We know that. But it is interesting, isn't it, that the left side of things and the right side of things, in general, I'm generalizing, I know some conservative friends that are terrified and they they will not leave their house. And then I know some other friends who who are uh, liberal and they're like, yeah, I'm, I'll wear a mask, but I'm going to be careful, but I'm not stopping living, you know? So uh, it's, it's just it's just interesting. I can't I can't figure it out. It's been a year now where I've been like, okay, back and forth, back and forth. Were there times I was more afraid? Yeah, there was. I was like, man, this is this is hitting home. This is like, all right, I know I know some people that got it. All right, okay, this is. And and I, yeah, I I don't know how how my body would handle it. I don't know. No one really knows. That's 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 probably the scariest thing is that it treats people different. But I'm I'm trying to come up with answers to those questions is why for something that is harmful, potentially harmful to us, do some people fear it and some people don't? I shouldn't say don't. They don't fear it as much. I want to radically change their lives or the lives of others. That's what I that's that's what big my biggest argument is with all this is if you want to radically change your life, uh, not open your mail for 3 days and sanitize it and have all these uh, wear three masks or whatever. If you want to do those things, you're God-given right to do that. But my biggest issue is when you start trying to restrict people from doing so because we've seen events already in Florida. I keep saying Florida, but they're the prime example, the Super Bowl, the, the national championship. I mean, Alabama and their celebrations and all these different, well, it's going to be a super spreader. It's going to be terrible. It's like, well, no one said that when there were all these protests in the summer, riots. I mean, it's just funny what people pick and choose to be passionate about, I guess. I don't want the virus. I do not want the coronavirus. I don't want anyone I have I know to get the coronavirus. I don't want anyone I don't know to get the coronavirus. And I certainly don't want anyone to die from it or with it, as the numbers can be skewed that way. But it is interesting that some people... I, I'm not trying to stereotype or paint with a broad brushstroke here, but but it is interesting to me that you lean left, you're, you're a little more receptive to uh, extreme radical policies. Uh, whereas if you lean right, you're kind of like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is a potential threat, but I'm not going to stay locked up and, and not work or whatever. Um, not have my own job. I don't know. It's just a thought. If you guys have any thoughts, uh, please email me. And, and again, this is not a a challenge to anyone. This is simply um, a an observation and kind of a question I'm throwing out there. Why is it that 
uh, I've said it a million times already. So if you have, again, if you want to have a conversation or you have your thoughts, please email me. I'd love to hear them because it's something I've listened to all kinds of podcasts and uh, presentations and all kinds of stuff. And it's just uh, human nature is interesting, right? Um, one last thing I'll say about podcasts is, you know, I, I listen to a ton of them, right? That's all I do now. And I love doing this for you guys. Um, it's also good for me to kind of just speak and say what's on my mind. And But when I first heard about podcasts, I mean, this is years ago when it was not even popular. I was like, why would you listen to something that's recorded and like isn't present? I was a huge talk radio guy, sports talk radio, right? I, I love listening. I couldn't understand listening to a sports show like the day after or a couple days later or even a political show or whatever because I was like, that's not current. I need current, current, current. But again, uh, the whole podcast thing is is another classic example to me of you just, you know, never say never. You know, you just never know how things are, are going to turn out. And and I never understood podcasts. They seemed pointless to me. I didn't understand listening to it after it was released. And, you know, I wanted things that were live. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's funny. It's like movies. Movies aren't live. Sporting events are live, which is why I love them. But uh, even even recording a game now, recording a game and watching it late at night or something, it seems odd, but I mean, I enjoy it. So podcasts have really changed the world in a way. I hate using that term because it's thrown around, I think, too loosely. So anyway, um, yeah, podcasts, something I never thought, number one, I would get into, but number two, I never thought I would um, listen to because I just, I didn't understand why it didn't make sense to me. I wanted something that was live. Um, but anyway, we listen to songs that are recorded. We're not always at concerts. So, you know, over time you're like, Oh, I don't know why I thought that way for so long. Okay. Let's get to Bill Barnes. I know you guys are chomping at the bit. You want to hear from, uh, Senor Barnes down in, uh, where is he? Puerto Vallarta. Uh, one more recording from the lovely country of Mexico. And, uh, this time next week, hopefully we'll be recording with Bill Barnes back in the States and hopefully his uh, return home, everything goes smoothly. But uh, another fun conversation with Bill. We chatted about a few different things. Uh, he took a, a lot of questions from some of the listeners out there. And as always, guys, I always encourage you to send in questions for Barnes. Um, I love him to come in in email format, so it's kind of easier to navigate. But uh, he loves his listeners, and I know the listeners love him, or apparently that's what it seems like with our uh, – with our audience on Wednesdays. So enough out of me. Let's get to it. Let's get to another fun episode of the weekly Wednesday weigh-in with Bill Barnes. It's the middle of the week. It's Wednesday. That means it's time for Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. The retired police officer and retired college baseball umpire joins us every week for very strong opinions and very random thoughts. Once again, here is the one and only Bill Barnes. Okay, it's another special edition of the Weekly Wednesday Weigh-In. We're joined by Bill Barnes, again from Mexico. He's down in another country still, and he still made time to chat with us. Bill Barnes, good morning, sir. Good morning from Puerto Vallarta, where it's a beautiful 80 degrees with a nice breeze. Um, The water's warm and the drinks are cool. (laughs) 
Absolutely, sir. Well, uh, Bill, you look well rested. You look, uh, you look happy. I mean, life, did you think you'd find peace in, a, in another country for over a week? Well, yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I look, you know, I, I'll look, I'll check my phone and see what's going on. And, you know, same old car chases, same old bullshit, same old gas prices going up. Um, you know, <clears throat> everybody's yelling at Ted Cruz because, you know, supposedly he has the power to change the weather in Texas. You he know, does, he, yeah. He takes a one, yeah, he takes a one night trip to uh, Cancun to pick up his daughter and people lose their shit. You know, well, the last time I checked, you can do everything you need to do as a politician from your phone or your computer. And, you know, it's not like he's out there with blowtorches. Uh, making the making the ice go away, and uh, I thought that was just an overreaction, finger pointing from our 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 arch enemy, the Democrats. <laughs> well, you know, again, we say it every show, but it, it's just the inconsistent hypocrisy. They, they they it's do as I say, not as I do. It's it's constantly cry about something that happens that is similar to things they do all the time. I mean. Uh, what was it you, you told me off the air about uh, former President uh, Obama, a, a similar where he got no pushback from the Democrats for uh, one of the things he did back in the day? Well, yeah, when Benghazi was being invaded and the uh, folks were being slaughtered there, him and, and Hillary and Biden and his administration, they went to bed, <laughs> you know, so it's not like. You know, the Democrats are, are these, these uh, uh, patriotic heroes. They're complete fucking cowards. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm going to sit here and say that it was probably a bad look for him to be down there, but I'm not going to go as far as to say uh, what he did was absolutely wrong. How dare he uh, go down there? I mean, the overreaction is just incredible. And yeah, he, he, if he's this weather czar, I mean... That's that's pretty impressive. I had no idea he had the ability to control the weather, uh, let alone from from uh, he has to be in. The, and if he does have the ability to change the weather, the fact that his powers are only able to be used in the state of Texas and not when he's outside it is is kind of interesting too. It must be a kryptonite thing. I don't know. Could be. Could yeah. be. Well, well, Bill, another week in Mexico. I mean, you got any you got any stories for us? Or you just been relaxed by the pool, just uh, getting sun and. Uh, having a few beverages. I mean, you just kind of, kind of nothing going on. That's kind of cool. Just, just a lot of relaxation. Went out to uh, uh, an island area yesterday. Relaxed on the on the sand. Played with some iguanas. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, dipped my toes in the water. Um, yeah, it was a good time. Good time. Um, the the cab drivers here. In Mexico, drive like raped apes, and they absolutely scare the living shit out of me when they drive. There is no such thing as stop signs, yield signs. If you're a pedestrian, you have absolutely no rights, and uh, it's it's a crazy, crazy time on the uh, highway here. So, with that said, I, I almost got car sick twice on the on the windy road out to Yalapa. 
which is an area just outside Puerto Vallarta. And, um, you know, after some drinks on the sand, a day in the sun, and you get in this car and you drive a windy road with a crazy Mexican uh, cab driver, um, you're almost ready to hurl. <laughs> and that's what I was, almost ready. But I, I kept it in and made it back. Wow. Well, we're happy. Well, I get to, uh, I get to take a, I get to take a COVID test today because I've got to, I've got to have a negative test to fly tomorrow. Oh, okay. so yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so I get to take a, I get to get a test today. Yeah. And then I get to fly, uh, leave here tomorrow afternoon, go through Phoenix and then I'll be home tomorrow night. Beautiful. You'll be listening to, uh, the uh, Wednesday episode of the Get Home Safe podcast on the way home because we're recording Tuesday, of course. But, oh yeah, definitely. Um, that'll hopefully make things a lot smoother. I'm gonna put it on. I'm gonna put it on blast. I'm gonna let everybody on the plane listen to it. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. So I followed some of your posts, Bill. Did you you did you randomly run into a, a friend or two down there? No, Lonnie, my old buddy from uh, from from the workforce back in the day. He lives down here part-time. I knew he was going to be here. And I texted him ahead and told him, hey, I'm coming down. Let's hook up. And we did. And and he's a good tour guide because he knows the area. He knows a lot of the the local establishments where we can get good deals. And, uh, you know, so I've I've spent some time with him. And, um, yeah, so we worked together back in the uh, 80s and 90s. And uh, it's it's good seeing him. He's... He lives part-time here, and he's also, he's got a place, and he might be a neighbor of your dad's. He lives in Williams, Arizona. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, during the uh, warmer months. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's his full name? Yeah. Or Lonnie Batest. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, like I say, he's got a place in Williams, and um, I'm sure he's probably seen your dad once or twice. Oh, yeah. If I see a... If I see a guy that uh, looks like an old friend of Bill Barnes, I'll say, hey, oh, hey, Lonnie, is that you? Hey, what's up, man? How's, how's it going? Uh, love William. Have you been up to Williamsville? I've been. I was there once yeah. on my way to the Grand Canyon years ago. I think you, you'd like that town. It's it's uh, small, quiet, and just a uh, nice place to be. Uh, well, very cool. Bill, how's the Spanish uh, speaking from your you, – you, you learn any of that from your days in police work or baseball? Has it helped you up there in uh, or down there in Mexico? Everybody speaks English here. They speak English here better than they do in the United States. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so here, here's a random question. You spent uh, a week there or whatever. Could you see yourself living there? Live, do you think that <clears throat> knowing a few friends? No. No? No. no. And I'll tell you why. Um, well, not in the area that I'm in. If I, you know, if I lived in one of those condos overlooking the water, maybe, but uh, no, I don't think I would live here. I would visit here quite frequently, but as far as living here, no, no. Um, It's just kind of a, a still a primitive way of uh, living at times. (laughs) A lot of dogs, a lot of cats, a lot of strays running around, barking all night, keeping me up. Um, Yeah, a little tough. (laughs) <laughs> well uh, I, I knew from that that photo you sent us bill i knew you'd find you'd find a nice uh, massage uh you love your foot massages mm-hmm. uh, whether it be uh you know in a random mall in the midwest or uh poolside down in mexico 
you're going to get that uh, relaxation. <laughs> I love, I love, I love strangers touching my feet. <laughs> it's always good. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's that about sums you up. Well, Bill, we have a few questions we'll get to today from our uh, listeners. Um, this one is from uh, Kevin Scarpio. Uh, this is in regards to the uh, contracts that we're seeing in baseball. Uh, Kevin says, what are your guys thoughts on the major contracts being given out in baseball with the 10 plus years over 300 million? Is it worth it? Or do you think down the line, they will, they will start demanding trades like we are seeing in the NBA and the NFL. Um, I, I, my thoughts are this, the contracts are not going to go down. They're not, they're not going to, I am surprised that these teams are signing players to 10 plus year deals. Are you bill? Um, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> if I was smart in finances, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, I, I don't know what the, the, the whole, uh, you know, uh, the whole genre is on these guys getting this kind of money. I really don't know. I mean, anything that I can't wrap my head around, I don't even try. I, yeah. I you know, it's crazy. I mean, how much money do you need, really? How much I, money do you need? I, I guess. I mean, but if someone's, I think a lot of it has to do almost from an ego standpoint. Hey, this is how much the player in my position makes you know, I want that much or higher. Or I, I also look at it this way, uh, Kevin's to answer that, like the, the 10 year part, I think for some of these clubs, they, they look forward and they see that pretty soon baseball players are going to be making 40 million a year if they're not already. And if you can lock a guy up like Mike Trout, or as you saw recently, Fernando Tatis Jr. for 10 plus years, yes, you're spending 350 or $400 million, but over time, it's going to end up being almost like a discount because well, yeah, you yeah. lock them and up at twenty-eight be, million. And, and, and what's going to happen is, is these guys are going to want to restructure their contracts to keep up with inflation. Mm -hmm. You know, especially on the Biden administration. You know, inflation's crazy. It's, I guess we're paying forty cents more for gas than we did when he took over. To me, that is criminal. Well, it happens you know. when you, uh, you know, shut down a pipeline and, and, you know, ruin a bunch of people's jobs and all stuff like that. I mean, that's just, that's a tough way to start your administration. I mean, uh, keep, keep an eye on it, everybody, especially here in California, gas prices will, will continue to skyrocket, but uh, man, it's a good thing Trump is gone. That's all that matters. Right. Uh, anyway, let's see. Yeah. I would, I, I don't, I think it's a lot of money to, to pay anyone uh, to play baseball games, but Hey, that's the world we live in. And I think long-term deals are, honestly a way for them to save money um let's see here uh john lee bill this is directly a question for you a good friend from oregon uh he asked uh would you rather officiate now bill you never did basketball so i don't know if you can answer this exactly right but he said would you rather officiate late 80s nba title game uh or nfl game or well i'll even throw in baseball there bill because you do baseball um late 80s World Series game or uh, or something for the uh, the 2000 era. Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? I'm going to rephrase. Bill, would you rather officiate a late 80s NBA, MLB, or NFL game just from the 80s? If yes. You had, you, yes, because you didn't have the – you didn't have the, the, the replay then. You didn't have – 
the the box for strike zones. You didn't have any of that bullshit. And you could actually go out and work a game without constantly being second guessed and um, you know, scrutinized. I, I think um like players and coaches were a little bit more um savvy too back then. You know, it wasn't they're, 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 look at people have complained about officiating forever, but I think that the manner in which they did back then uh, is a little different. You know, they're more focused yeah. on competition as well. So yes. I don't know. Yeah, Bill Barr, your your uh, your best work was done in the '80s, right? So, yes, absolutely, <laughs> in all facets of my life. So I don't know if that answered it all, John, but uh, that's what we're going to give you. Now, did you get the email? Well, it was an email I sent you from our good friend, Todd Carson, who was, um, you know, he, he stood up kind of against your stance last week about the whole national anthem thing, as did our friend, John Lee. He had some comments. Uh, you kind of stirred up the hornet's nest a little, but we're, we're, not, we're not here to always agree on things. But what are your thoughts from what Todd said in uh, his long email to you about the anthem? Well, I agree 100% with his, with his stance. The problem is, is that we've got some, some weak and spineless uh, diarrhea for backbone leaders who don't make these teams accountable for their, for, for their, uh, actions when they do play the anthem they don't hold the leagues accountable saying hey you will play the anthem and you will have your people stand and show respect they cower to uh the few and they make a joke they make a, a mockery of it so therefore if that's the way it's going to be if it's going to be a mockery then let's just eliminate it let's not put ourselves in a position to get shit on and trampled on and that's what they've done so Again, as much as I hate to agree with uh, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, Mr. Cuban, I think what he's doing is correct. Just take it away. Don't don't have the platform to get up on there and raise your fist and and and, and be an asshole. Take it away from him. Mm. Well, we won't go into it again. Last week, uh, Bill and I had a spirited discussion over this, but um, yeah, it, it's it's good to hear feedback from people and good to stimulate discussion and and all the points. Uh, Todd made, made a great point about uh, teaching kids, you know, patriotism and this and that. And well, uh, that's out the window now. I know. That's I know. Yeah, it's all done. It's all done. The, the, the left has infiltrated schools. They've infiltrated uh, uh, so many areas now where they just want to destroy from within. And it's up to us, Bill. It's up to people to, to, to take a stand, which is kind of, I think, the point there. But yeah, as far as um, certain areas of life, certain uh, uh, there's just so many places where that have been destroyed that I, it might be too late in some places. I mean, look at it this way during the, during the protests last summer in Los Angeles, you had police chiefs, sheriffs, and leaders taking a knee with protesters. Mm -hmm. Why? It's not necessary. Yeah. You are the, the, the blue line. You're the one, you're the, the, the independent arbiter. You're not supposed to take sides. Yeah. So we've lost it. Yeah. We've lost what? it because, because these so-called police chiefs and sheriffs are nothing but politicians now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, he, here's a question from Todd and, and we're not, look, we're not here to, to continue to talk about potential election fraud from the 
uh, previous election or anything, but I thought this was an interesting question. Um, uh, Bill, this is uh, Bill for you, Bill, and me. But uh, Todd said the Supreme Court threw out several lawsuits yesterday. Uh, dissenting opinion, Clarence Thomas said that not even hearing cases when voting law changes were made illegally is a known fact and is irresponsible and ensures election fraud in the future. Do you think the Supreme Court dismissing cases is because the other justices don't see enough evidence of voter fraud or they're just ignoring the rule of law? Um, Where does that put our justice system? To sum it up, I would say there were a lot of kind of shady, potentially illegal changes made to state uh, election processes. And in moving forward, is, is, is there going to be a way for that to be policed? I mean, what, what do you think, Bill? No, no, it's going to be, um, <laughs> this, this mail-in voting, which is a sham, uh, this, you know, it, it's going to be this way forever. They're going to be able to control who gets elected, who doesn't. What I cannot comprehend here we are in 2021 is I cannot comprehend how voting is not more. This is before, even before this election, how voting is not more certified. Like Bill, you, you got on an airplane. You, you had to show ID. Mm-hmm. Um, you left the country. You had to show ID. Um, heck when we all get driver's license. I think you put it, your thumbprint in the system. All right. I think I'm not positive, but why you can't, why you have to get on an airplane, why you have to buy a beer, why you have to, uh, I, don't, I don't know, get married. I don't know all the, all the reasons, but you got to have ID for all these different reasons, yet you don't for voting. Why is that such a difficult concept? Because they want, because the, the, because in order for Democrats to get elected, they need other people than citizens to vote for them. Simply put, they need criminals. They need all the undesirables that are living off the fat of the Democrats to keep them substantiated, to keep the Democrats going. Yeah, I I have never heard a valid argument about, uh, it's very simple, one person, one vote. I mean, and and I I always just, I wanna flip it on people and be like, hey, don't you want an absolute 100% well? 98% 98% whatever uh, certified election. Do, do, you, do you really want a potential for fraud? We take all these other steps, especially in California. We have steps for everything just in case, right? We have a rule for everything that happens. Wouldn't you want a certified election? I like, I like the idea of a thumbprint to be like, okay, yep, that's you. That's me though. I, I know I'm extreme, I guess, but uh, we'll see. There's been election fraud for years and it's not going away. We'll say that. True. Okay, uh, Bill, this was a thought I had, and, and kind of it's something that's gaining momentum. I don't know how much you know about China, but they are in line right now to host the 2022 uh, Olympics. Should, should China host the Olympics? And, and if they do, what should the United States' stance on that be? Jeez, good question. The Winter Olympics in 22? Yeah, because I think they bumped the 21, 20 Olympics to 21. So maybe it'll be 22 or 23. But yeah, the Winter Olympics of 22 is what's scheduled. Let's go. Why not? It's a sporting event. Let's not politicize it more than it already is. 
You know, we, we boycotted Russia in 1980 and look what that got us. What did it Nothing. get us? Nothing. We looked like a bunch of assholes. And, and, then they boy, and then they boycotted 84 in Los Angeles and they looked like idiots. So, you know what? Yeah. I don't know. Let's just cancel the Olympics altogether then. No more Olympics. <laughs> where, where do you draw the line? No more international competition. Well, in, in, in 1980... I mean, I don't know what we were doing to Russia that was so horrible in 84, but in 1980, what was the biggest, I know, you know the Cold War was going on and everything, but like, what was the biggest uh, reason, would you say, that, that the U.S. said, uh, no, no bueno, we're not coming? Well, because Russia had, I think, invaded Afghanistan or something. I don't know what it was. And Jimmy Carter was pissed at him. And he, he, would, he thought, well, I'll teach him. We're just not going to go to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that proved to be disastrous. You know, that's one of the reasons he didn't get reelected. Yeah, no, I, that's definitely a reason. Um, I know a lot of those Olympian, U.S. Olympians were were furious, but um, I, it brings up an interesting point, an interesting discussion. Like, where do you kind of draw the line on some of the things we're seeing out of China? Um, uh, I mean, <laughs> pretty pretty rough over there, and a lot of people just kind of turn a blind eye. So. Uh, I am curious. I, I think that it might not just be the U.S. that I, I don't know if the U.S. will stand up to them or not, but I think other countries might. I think other countries may say, hey, we want to try to have the Olympics removed from there or um, or not go altogether. I mean, do you think that's well, something the U.S. should do? Um, try to have it moved anyway? Why? Why? Is there going to be... Is there going to be poison in the stand? I mean, what what what's what's going on? They're they're they're. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, 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 in, in years past, it's proven to be ridiculous to boycott these things. You're going there to run a race. You're going there to ski down a hill. You're not going there to you know raise your political flag one way or the other. It's a competition. You know, I think to be honest with you, Los Angeles has no has no. Uh, business hosting the summer olympics in 28 that city's a shithole and it's because you've got a mayor there that's a complete jackass you have a da that's a complete jackass that city is a mess and i can't see that place getting cleaned up in the next seven years all the homeless all the filth all the degradation that's in that city i i can't la how can you I mean, we need to take a look at our own closet before we start trying to clean others. No, I hear you there. I mean, but I don't. I don't think you know genocide is happening in Los Angeles, much like it is yes. in China. Yes, uh, but uh, I mean, there's a murder. There's there's two or three murders every day. There's a car chase around the clock. Yeah. Well, there's as- a car chase every minute of the day. As you and I have driven the uh, the streets of L.A., I, I cannot imagine having all these countries come here for all these different sporting events for, for the Olympics in what is it, whatever it is, 2028 or 20, whatever the, the time is. Um, I would be shocked to it's going to happen, but I just can't believe that uh, we're going to be able to pull this thing off. It's going to be traffic you know, like you I, I'm believe. thinking, you know, the world may end before that. We may not have the world just may come to an end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know oh boy 
just like on that old, you know, those of you that remember the old uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood video where it shows, you know, some, some uh, uh, tension between countries and the world and then the a picture of the world, it just explodes. It explodes. Maybe that's what's going to happen. Maybe we're all beginning, we're all going to become liquid matter. <laughs> oh, Bill, you always have a way to, to sum it well, up. Maybe well, I've, maybe I've had too much sun on my brain last week. Maybe I'm thinking a little too much outside the box. I have no idea. Yeah, you're, you're a little overcooked. That's all. You're a little overcooked. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, so, Bill, this last weekend, uh, we, we wished our, our brethren good luck, but this last weekend, college baseball season quietly started. Um, late February, first time in a long time, not strapping the gear on. And, and you know what? I think going into it, you and I were both very like, eh, I'm not really missing it or anything. And after seeing some of the reports and the box scores and the times of the games from the weekend, I, I couldn't be more happy. That I'm not working baseball this year. <laughs> what a shit show. Oh my goodness. I mean, I saw some scores. I saw some time of games. I see what these guys have to go through as far as COVID testing. Hey, it ain't worth it. No, oh, it's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff going on. I mean, I'm so glad to be out of it, to be honest with you. And I'm not just saying that. I... I haven't missed it one iota. I haven't missed. There's a few people that I really enjoyed working with. The majority of the guys that I worked with towards the end of my career, I couldn't fucking stand. I'll put it bluntly. <laughs> and- I couldn't fucking stand them. I didn't like being in the locker room with them. They would come out from other areas of the country thinking their shit didn't stink. And I got to tell you, uh, I, that was the worst part of the day was being in the locker room with some of these guys, listening to their bullshit. Mm-hmm. When I get out on the field, it was therapy for me. Being on the field was therapy. Working the game was therapy. After the game, shower, get out of there, go do my own thing most of the time. Some guys I really enjoyed being around. But I'll tell you what, towards the end, and maybe it was me. Maybe I'm the asshole. I don't know. But the, whatever, the, whatever the case may be, a lot of these guys were full of shit. They're all full of themselves. And I didn't like them. Yeah. I just no. plain ass didn't like them. No, that's true. That's what people don't understand is that, you know, you have a united front on the field. You have to, you know, but yeah, there were times it was painful to go to the office. I mean, and that's with any job, really. Any, you know, you work with people you don't like and yet you have to. And you know, this brotherhood, this brotherhood stuff, there was no brotherhood. It was guys <laughs> stabbing each other in the back to get ahead. I'll put it plain and simple. They were stabbing each other in the back to get ahead. Yeah. Brotherhood, my ass. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when coaches and players are like the least of our worries, kind of as officials. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I can handle the coaches. The coaches were fine. You know, if they got upset, they got upset. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I just, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I just, I would look at my schedule and I'm saying, okay, I'm going here, here, here. And I'm working with him, him, him. And I'd go, fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and it's like, God damn, you know? And, and, you know, maybe I just became a miserable bastard my, in my old age. I don't know. But a lot, I tell you what, man, I haven't missed it one bit. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in my life, Matt, 
since I was a cop and then an umpire, I am not chained. I am not chained to the man anymore. You've always had someone that you had to be accountable to, like, you know, you're, you're, you know, in the law enforcement industry, you know, you had to always maintain your professionalism, blah, 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 or you'd get in trouble. Even in umpiring, you know, you had to kind of be careful what you said on Facebook. You had to be careful here, be careful there, because, you know, you worked for someone and you had to maintain that level of uh, diplomacy. Well, now, guess what? I'm not, I'm not chained to the man anymore. I can say what the fuck I want. And I can, if I want to blast somebody, I'll put them on blast. <laughs> the, truth, the truth comes out, right? Uh, without yeah. having to hold it in. Um, you know, and, I'll be, and I'll be honest with you. There were some, some, super, some umpiring uh, coordinators that I worked for that were great. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I never thought Amen. this one particular one, I'm not going to mention names because people listening to this will read between the lines. There was one that I thought I'd never like, and he was the best one of them all towards the end. And, you know, and there were some that were just complete, uh, you know, bad guys, bad guys, bad guys. guys. (laughs) Oh, boy. I would say my overall experience in baseball was positive. But, yeah, the, the, the negative ones, the negative people you're around sometimes does pull you down quite a bit. So it is kind of liberating so far for me anyway to be to be feeling good. Let me ask you, let's, let's go a positive direction, Bill. In all your years of baseball, specifically college baseball, who are some of the people that because you were, because of your umpiring, you kind of made some relationships with what comes to mind is like, you know, announcers, like the, like the announcer at uh, Cal Baptist uh, or Riverside community college. I forget his name, but uh, you know, Oh yeah. Pepper. Sure. Yeah. 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 You know, guys like that. Who are some of the other people that you've come across in your, in uh, umpiring that you look back on and you're like, man, okay. Those are some good times. You know, it doesn't have to be umpires, maybe off the field guys. Um, well, I knew some people, uh, geez, boy, um, folks that maybe ran a restaurant or a bar in a particular area that we went to, you know, they're always friendly to us. You'd leave them a ticket or two and they could go to the game with their kid and have a good time. Um, I will say this, I went to Las Cruces, New Mexico and uh, big league umpire Doug Eddings lived down there and Doug, who I knew a little bit, had a buddy of his take us out one night and took care of us on Doug's credit card and showed us a good time. So there is a, a good brethren there at times. Uh, the people in Las Cruces were really cool. Um, the former coach there, Brian Green, who's now at Washington State, Brian grew up in Temecula. I umpired him when he was a player in high school. I umpired him when he was at Riverside City College as both a player and coach umpired him when he went to as a uh, uh, coach at New Mexico State and now he's doing pretty good things at Washington State Uh, I believe he swept Davis this last weekend so you know he's a good coach and I wish him the best he's one of the good guys out there Mm -hmm. Um, and now that I'm out of the game I can root for him (laughs) I can root for Washington State go guys go you know and again, I like to root for good umpires too to do a good job on the field. Um, but 
the ones that were complete back, backstabbers, the ones that are still working and they have no business working because they're nothing but complete suck asses to the bosses. I can't, I have no respect for those guys. And there's a few out there. There's a few out there. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. It's, it's funny the, yeah, the memories, the stories of, of, you know, off the field stuff or the traveling and the, um, the people you come across are what it's all about really. And so, uh, you and I are still able to make some of those memories in, in other facets of our life, Bill, some of your new, your new job, my new job. And, and you know what, I got to say podcasting, this is a lot more fun than having to strap on the old shin guards on a, uh, on a Saturday afternoon. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't care any day. <laughs> oh boy. Amen, sir. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what else, Bill? Anything on your mind? Anything? Anything? Uh, anything you were thinking? No, about? it's about. Uh, it's getting close to maybe ten 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 thirty here. It's time for me to go either get up on the uh, sun deck on the roof, or head down to the beach. I don't know what you're going to do today, but uh, you know that's that's what's on my agenda. Yeah, yeah. I got I got I got stuff to do. Stuff to do. People to see and uh, packages to uh, to escort. Uh, but yeah, so more of the same for you. Um, I did see our friend, uh, Jerry Aldini recently. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, where'd you see him? Uh, a little, uh, outdoor establishment where they served, uh, seafood, seafood breakfast style. I think, you know, Oh yes. Kind of yes. where that is. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Great seeing him. Um, let's see. Oh, Bill, have you heard, uh, the South Dakota governor? Christy Noam, she she's a rock star. You got you gotta you gotta look her up. Here's some of the things she has to say. Uh, we could use some more leadership like her in this country. Christy Noam, N O E M. Uh, you want to talk about women in power, women in leadership? That's that's a good one there. She 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 doesn't take any uh, BS from anybody, and she knows how to run a state. I know South Dakota is you know very limited population and all but I've been very impressed with her. Have you heard of her at all? Vaguely. Yeah. Okay. We'll definitely, definitely check her up. Uh, okay, Bill, uh, this happened shortly after you and I talked last week. Um, radio icon Rush Limbaugh passed away and mm-hmm. um, I don't know how much you listen to him or not, but uh, I got to tell you the, the, the left and the media in this country, they acted as if Osama bin Laden had been killed last week with some of their comments and their ugliness. Um, but what, what were some of your thoughts on uh, the passing of Rush Limbaugh and also kind of the impact he had uh, in, the ra- in the radio business? Well, he brought, uh, you know, the conservative uh, approach to a whole new level. Um, you know, he was working really hard back when the eight years of Bill Clinton, he was having to grind every day and push the uh, conservative agenda um, and he was, he was always entertaining to listen to. Um, and then sometimes he got a little over the top, but Hey, that's what you pay radio people for. You know, you're, there's gotta be an entertainment, uh, value to it. And he certainly did. Um, and, um, you know, that horrible cancer got him and, you know, I'm glad he was able to get the Presidential Medal of Freedom before he passed. That was nice. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, nobody lives forever. 
no. which is, you know, unfortunate that he passed so young, but he, he made his mark and he was good. Yeah. And, and, and take me back, if you will, when, when you first heard about Rush Limbaugh uh, coming on the radio, because again, you know, the, the left had kind of infiltrated all the media by this point. So talk radio was really um, the only conservative voice left and he kind of led that charge. Right. And so but yeah, he did along with uh, along with the uh, the G man G Gordon Liddy. Liddy oh. had a show. Oh. And he was a little over the top. Um, I got you know I kind of got soured to him when he when he said on his show one time, if you have a federal agent at your door and they have no right to be there and you need to defend yourself, shoot him in the head. Whoa! Because they wear vests, they wear ballistic vests. So I thought, okay, okay. G-Man, maybe you got, maybe you, you know, you're having a flashback back to your, you know, federal prison days, eating rats and, and all that. So, yeah, you know, a, he took it a little too far. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, that's yeah, way out there. But, um, yeah, like I said, uh, Limbaugh, I didn't agree everything the guy said, but but I like the fact that he stood up to to the left and he, he, he took a stance. I mean, he, he led the charge because without – kind of him leading the way with talk radio, you don't have podcasting. You don't have all these things that are the norm to us now. And it's funny how he's looked at as this super extreme guy. And he, he was, but like the things that people point him out for, you're like, okay, that's just you being, <laughs> you're being sad that someone's yelling at you. Right. I mean, because you know how this is, Bill, a lot of people, a lot of people are, are you know, big, nasty bark. But if you bark back at him, it's like, oh, you know, you're picking on me. Well, that's usually what happens. You bark back harder than they bark at you and they cower like the little bitches that they are. <laughs> so that's usually, you know, quite effective. Here, here's a question I, I seriously have uh, for you that I think it's something that I'm very curious about and I can't quite put my finger on it. Okay. However, your, re- your reaction to the coronavirus is the whole COVID protocol. What, it's an interesting observation to me. Why is it that people that lean left are more terrified, really, of the coronavirus than people who are conservative? What it death, death infection is real, death is real, but why is why is kind of one group of people a little more terrified or, or willing more to to take these extreme policies when another side is like? Hey, this is real, but if it, you know, if it gets us, it gets us. Take me, take me through the mentality of each side and why that is. Do you, do you know? Well, well, because the conservatives, you know, are a little more gut. They, 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 they've been around a little bit and they've had some life experience as far as having to, you know, uh, pull themselves up by their bootstraps and make it in life. Whereas a lot of these uh, liberals, you know, they've been given cookies their whole life and they were part of the AYSO soccer generation where everybody gets a trophy and um, they were they were pampered as children and they're now being pampered as adults. So they're afraid of this virus a lot more than the conservatives are. But I will say this, this fucking COVID is no joke. I just lost another friend mm-hmm. last Friday a guy I worked with, uh, Frank Orta, who was about 62, 63. He was on a ventilator for about three weeks and he finally passed. So Frank and I worked together many, many years, great guy. 
Uh, and I have two other friends still that I worked with <clears throat> that are still currently on, on ventilators and it's not looking good for them. So for some reason, this fucking virus is hit some people one way, some people, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah. I just can't understand it. And again, I could spend another eight hours talking about this and I won't, is that the United States, especially California, has done a yet abysmal job of getting this, this uh, vaccine rolled out. Terrible. Now, look, I understand it's your choice. If you want the vaccine or not, I get it. If, but if you want it, you should be able to get it. And this is, we've had it now, it's been two months. Yeah. And we still haven't vaccinated the people 65 and over. What, what that, the fuck's going on? Well, and that, yeah, that's my thing is like, in California, there's this, all this arguments about how you know we have so many people here and the population so the only option was to lock everything down and it's like if it's so desperate and does you know dire here well why wouldn't you put the vaccine out into that situation quicker then it's in you know it doesn't it's not following the whole agenda here it's like is it is it is it super terrible or is it not like you know florida got all florida is kind of the the uh the the i don't know what the word is but you look at florida and they got all kinds of grief for opening up and even now they have restaurants and bars they have all these sporting events they got everything open and nothing but criticism from the media yet they seem to be doing republican ran states republican ran cities do that's the facts lay out they do a much better job of administering the vaccine than the democrats do period in the story i'm sorry just look at the stats the stats don't lie do, do you think we are, okay, I know you just mentioned some friends of yours that, that, that passed away, but as far as overall infections, do you think there is a potential here that we are headed towards some type of herd immunity? Eventually. Eventually? Eventually. I don't, this shit, I mean, I don't know when. I mean, I read the other day where some doctor from Johns Hopkins says that we could have herd immunity by the end of April. I don't see that happening, but then again, who knows, you know, um, let's, let's, I mean, people are, are, are chomping at the bit. Now, I don't want to wear a mask the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I do not want to wear a mask. And what these dumb bastards don't realize the Asian countries wear masks, not because of sickness. They wear masks because of air pollution. Mm. So when that fucking Fauci spouts off about, let's become more like the Asian communities where masks just may be part of our everyday society. No dumbass, it's from air pollution. <laughs> well, this is the same guy, Bill, that when this thing first started, he says, no, you don't need to wear a mask. Don't, don't, you know, that guy has, I, that guy has... <laughs> Zero credibility. No, none, none at all. That guy's bounced back and forth. I've heard every, he, he's been in every corner. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's just all over the place and has been this entire time. Follow, you know, follow the science. We got to follow the science. It's like, okay, we, you know, common sense is out. There is no common science. Common sense science is all out the window. I mean, I, 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 over and over again. I mean, yeah, you're right. I heard him say the other day, yeah, we're going to be in masks till 2022. I mean, <laughs> What are we doing? 322? Dude, I, 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 I don't know. 
Do you wear Do you wear a mask walking alone out or walking outside? No. Let me tell you something. Masks in Mexico, it's very loose here. Very loose. Very loose. Mm. Um, you have to wear a mask to enter a restaurant. You wear a mask and they take your temperature and they, they and they and you wipe your hands and then you take the mask off. It's a you know, just a symbol of uh, it's a token symbol of of acting like you give a shit. Yeah, I'm fine, fine with that. But yeah, what's wrong? With, it was funny when you got to wear a mask to enter a restaurant and then sit down and, and, it, and no. you take it off. You're, you're force field. You got a force field around you. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm so happy to see some businesses, at least here in Cali, are starting to open again. I know, I, I know it's, it's weird, but yeah. Were you here when restaurants were open? Yeah. You were here a week ago or so? Have we opened yet? I'm trying to think. Uh, a win? I'm sorry. Were you here uh, when the restaurant started to open? Okay, so you I have think it. You, you can still you can still see, eat in the parking. Yeah, no. yeah, you, yeah. Right now we're eating in parking lots in California. Like that's a big uh, a big step, but it's it's something I guess. Uh, uh, but but it is funny to see some people just people are going to hit a breaking point. They're going to be like, all right, enough of this. Um, Bill, did you see the video? Probably not. You're in Mexico. There was a video of a school board. I believe it was the Chicago area where they were having a school board meeting and it was like open to the public, I guess. And they were caught on tape, basically uh, bashing parents who wanted their uh, schools to open. And some of the quotes from the school board members were like, yeah, the, the parent, they just want their babysitters back. That's why they want us to go back to work, you know, just so they could smoke marijuana during the day and this and that. And so that was caught on and then finally, someone was like, oh, hey, we're online. And uh, the whole school board ended up resigning, I guess. But uh, it's interesting to hear that that's what some of the teachers have to say about uh, the, the kids they apparently serve and, and their families, especially here in Los Angeles. We have some of the bravest teachers in the, in the nation, in the Los Angeles uh, area. And, and that, uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Go back to work. To work. Yeah, imagine that. But I mean, yeah. Bill, if you were getting paid to, to sit at home, would you want to go back to work? Uh, I'm probably, well, I don't know. I mean, it, it's really testing the, the, the uh, commitment that these teachers have to teaching kids. Are they there just for a job? Or are they there to, to actually try to bestow some education on people? I guess they're just there for a job. Well, it, it, it's pretty interesting because... Other schools in other parts of the country have opened up. They, they, they you know, th this idea, all these teachers talking about how they're all going to die and how it's unsafe. It's like, you guys are out of your mind. Out of your mind. Show me where there's all these more, teachers are. There's more of a chance. There's more of a chance of a teacher in LA getting shot in the fucking head, walking into their campus in the morning by some stray bullet than there is dying of COVID. That, that's a good point. Yeah, it's sad, sad, but true. I mean, it's unbelievable, but, but that's the thing, Bill. All these other workers who have gone back to work. Okay, let's say let's say let's say the risk is 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 one hundred percent real. You might step in a classroom and and get and get COVID immediately. Police officers, firefighters, nurses, uh, people who work at tire shops, people people who are mechanics. All these people are back to work. Yet the teachers are the only occupation in the entire state that can't go back to work. 
because they own the politicians. They give them big, big campaign money and the politicians are in their pocket. So you're not going to see the politicians coming out and saying, get your ass back, back to work. Well, they, they, I, they, don't, they, they take no stance on it. I, I guess so. I mean, the apparently I, I think Gavin Newsom's getting getting a little uh, cold feet here or whatever the you know, under the fire, whatever. He's even starting to give a little pushback. Hey, we got to get teachers back because he knows the recall's coming. And you know what I saw? A friend of mine the other day said, no, they're not going to get nearly enough signatures. I'm like, excuse me? They have plenty of signatures. They just have to certify them. We, you know, until I don't know if we've removed that word certify yet from our uh, vocabulary because uh, we don't do that anymore. But um, yeah, I think they just got to certify some more enough signatures because they know a lot of them will be challenged, right? Oh, it's unbelievable. Anyway, Bill, I know it's a quick show today. Uh, we'll uh, we'll get we'll get moving and let you get off to your uh, to your beach. And uh, yeah, we'll see you back in in America next week. I'm sure. I will be uh, back from the studio in, in Rancho next week, ready to rock and roll. Okay, well, it's nice to know we have an international uh, headquarters there that we can uh, put put you at uh, from time Indeed. to time. Indeed. Thanks, Bill. All right. Be good to see you next week back home. Adios. Mucho gracias, Bill Barnes. Thanks for joining us once again from Mexico. Always a pleasure chatting with you, my friend. Uh, Looking forward to chatting with you uh, back in the States next week. And uh, maybe we'll have to get together uh, now that it's legal here in California to... uh, share a a cerveza or or a a soda or something or other it'd be good to see you bill in person and look forward to having you back safe travels and uh yeah looking forward to next week well guys i want to tell you about next week's let's see i'm sorry not next week's guest this friday's guest excuse me i'm ahead of myself uh what i've been doing is i'm off on thursdays so i record the friday episode on thursdays with the the next friday's guest so uh, this week's guest, this Friday's guest, I've already recorded with last Thursday. It helps me kind of stay ahead of things, stay ahead of the game. Um, I, I record Thursday, Friday's episode, uh, the previous Thursday, and then finish up the next day's episode that night also. So anyway, that's kind of a, some insight into what we're doing here. Uh, but the episode for Friday has already been recorded. And I will tell you now about uh, the individual you will be hearing from. We're going to be joined by Bob Lamb. Bob Lamb is a huge mentor uh, into my life. Uh, One of the best guys I know in the world of officiating. He actually was the first instructor I ever had at any level of officiating. It was uh, high school football and just a funny, funny guy. You're going to hear a very witty sense of humor, dry sense of humor on uh, Friday. Uh, a, A great guy, somebody that... Has been around sports his entire life. Uh, contributed uh, to the West Covina Dukes. He was one of the original coaches there. For anyone in the Southern California area, you probably know about that travel baseball team. Uh, was ahead of its time, kind of uh, travel baseball and kind of developing kids to get to the next level. Uh, so he was big there. He's been an umpire, baseball umpire. Uh, at the college level, he has umpired high school baseball a long time. Worked seven high school finals uh, in, in baseball. I think five football finals. I had the privilege of working my first high school football final with Bob Lamb, which was an eight-man final, and which was kind of cool for me because I played eight-man football. So the irony and all that. 
But uh, Bob Lamb is is an incredible man. Uh, his son, Mike Lamb, played in Major League Baseball for about 10 years. Uh, Bob coached a lot of kids that eventually got to the big leagues or had great college baseball careers. So you're going to hear a lot of stories from Bob on Friday about baseball. Uh, Major League Baseball, uh, kind of his son Mike's uh, journey through professional baseball. Bob's experiences get into coaching, starting out umpiring. That was just something he liked to do as a kid uh, to volunteer. And then it led to a great career. And then, of course, uh, uh, you know, working with kids and getting them to the next level and then umpiring himself, high school game. I mean, a million and one stories. And Bob, I've heard them all, but every time I hear them, they're, they're hilarious. There's some great lessons. Let me tell you, Friday, you're going to hear some great uh, one-liners from Bob. Uh, very very one-liners that are full of wisdom too where you're like oh yeah that's that's a good little catchphrase so please uh tune in on friday i can promise you even if you're not a sports official uh you're gonna you're gonna like this episode uh a very wise man and someone i i very much do look look up to and uh still doing it still umpiring baseball still working high school football and um god bless him for doing it because uh he's he's one of the best in the business at dealing with people he's a people person he knows how to lay on the uh, sarcasm thick if necessary, uh, but just a fun guy to be around and a guy that I, I have always admired uh, as an official. So please tune in on Friday for a great episode with Bob Lamb. Guys, there's plenty of ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. Our Twitter handles Get Home is Get Home Safe. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast, and our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you, so shoot us an email regarding uh, content or uh, questions or just anything really it's great to hear from the listeners out there and to know that some people are, are listening even though i can see how many people are listening to each episode so uh, anyway thanks for joining us today on the weekly wednesday weigh-in with bill barnes and i hope you will join us on friday for a fun fun conversation uh with my good friend dear friend uh mr bob lamb Guys, have a great rest of your week. Hope you will join us Friday. But guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.